Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, unless you're the lady shining white light, everything that glitters is not gold. From the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. And coming up on today's show, we've got a lot of opinions to get to in a very short amount of time, starting with the very fluid situation concerning the Big 12, the Pac-12, and conference expansion. Dimitri Ravenosh from Barrett Sports Media joins us to tell us who offers more to a network. Is it the Pac-12? Is it the Big 12? And if one of those conferences dissolves, where might some of these football programs end up? The preseason All-Big 12 team is out. OU fans are in shock. If you don't know why OU fans are in shock, I will tell you. Baker Mayfield has a new landing spot. We'll tell you how that came together and whether or not it's a good place for him. Plus, Chip Glass, the Oklahoma State strength coach, is now the highest-paid strength coach in the country. I'll tell you why that matters. My name is Eric G. I'm the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Download our app at the Google Play or the Apple App Store. Listen from 11 to 2, not for me, but for Coach Jones, because he's the one that makes that show go. One of the things I really don't like about podcasting, as opposed to radio, because I actually love podcasting, but one of the things about it that kind of drives me nuts as as a guy that grew up in radio, and passion still is more for radio than it is for any other media source out there, is that by the time I put this show out, okay, I've got to record it, I've got to send it to Pete Mundo, he's the one that uploads it, information can change. And when you've got a situation as fluid as conference expansion, by the time you listen to this, everything may be completely invalid. In radio, if we talk about it from 11 to 2, as Coach Jones and I do quite often, and it changes at 2.30 or 2.10, then we just come back tomorrow and discuss everything that goes on. From a podcast situation, now I've got to come back into the studio and update everything. So that's just one of the dangers that you kind of live in doing this particular thing for a living. Well, as it stands now, here's the current situation between the Big 12, the Pac-12, and what might be happening with conference expansion. If you don't know, the Pac-12 is entering a 30-day negotiation period with TV networks trying to get something settled in an effort to keep their conference from completely blowing up. While all that is going on, you've got the Big 12 courting Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State in hopes of bringing them over to the Big 12 and making this conference better and more attractive to somebody like ESPN or Fox to get bigger payouts for their member schools. If I had to give you a best guess of how things are going to go down here over the next few days, here is what I would tell you. I would think that that Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado are all going to accept their their invitations from the Big 12, have it okayed by their Board of Regents, and it will be contingent on whether or not 
the Pac-12 can stay together as a conference. In other words, if the Pac-12 can work out a lucrative media deal with one of their television partners, one that satisfies all their member schools, then you will not see those schools come to the Big 12. Because you have to remember, bringing in UCF, bringing in Cincinnati, bringing in school a school like Houston, BYU's kind of the outlier in all this, but bringing in those schools did not make you more attractive, and in a lot of ways, it made you less attractive as a conference. And if you're Arizona or you're Colorado, you're saying to yourself, man, the best we can do as a conference with UCF, Cincinnati? I mean, aren't we a cut above those schools? Isn't Oklahoma State a cut above those schools? And I asked this last week and asked this often today. Uh, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, why do you want to be in a conference with any of those schools? Aren't you a cut above Cincinnati and Central Florida? The answer to that is yes. It's not just yes, it's hell yes. Hell yes, we're a cut above. Hell yes, we deserve something better. Yes, we would love to be in a conference with Washington and Oregon, who at this point remain the big prizes out there to get. And at this point in time, Phil Knight wants Oregon to go to the Big Ten. However, Dimitri Ravenosh from Barrett Sports Media said today on our show that USC going to the Big Ten was contingent on the fact, by the way, I love that word contingent, as you can tell, that Oregon not come along with USC in this agreement. But USC being a Nike school, Phil Knight having a lot of Nike money, and every conference and every member school liking a lot of money might just tell USC, hey, we know what you wanted, but you know Phil Knight can do everybody a lot of good, so why don't we bring them and Washington along and we'll have Portland and Seattle and, and everyone will be one big happy family. Whether or not that's the way things turn out remains to be seen, but it's something worth discussing. Or discussing. Although that 40 and slip there, <laughs> That 40 and slip, if you're a college fo football purist, fits perfectly. Because you do think this is disgusting. You don't like the fact that tradition is being thrown out the window in favor of the almighty dollar. But the truth of the matter is, is that tradition had has gone out the window and went out a long time ago. If you're looking for culprits, um, there are several to point your finger at. Oklahoma is one of them. Oklahoma and Georgia, when in the 80s, they sued for the right for schools to negotiate their own television rights, not have to necessarily be a part of a conference package in order to make money. There's Arkansas, who left the Southwest Conference for the SEC. There's the Southwest Conference schools that came to the Big 12. Texas, Texas is somebody that we can blame, and we love to pick on. And we probably should pick on Texas and all this just for no other reason to make them feel awful for the Longhorn Network and the lack of success that they have had since ESPN decided to give them a ton of money for the Longhorn Network. But back to the whole situation at hand here. What does Oklahoma State want? And I don't know what Oklahoma State wants. I think more than anything, Oklahoma State just wants a landing place. They want someplace that's stable, someplace where they feel like they can compete. And whether it's this current edition of the Big 12 that adds four more schools, or whether it's going west to join the Pac-12, 
Oklahoma State should be able to compete no matter where they are because they're finally making a commitment to football. And the recruiting base really isn't going to change no matter where they are because they're still going to get that same type of player and they're still going to be able to take that same type of player and develop them and turn them into something more than what they were when they first stepped on campus. This has always been the way that OSU goes about being a very successful football program and one of the best football programs in the country, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, maybe it's not Alabama. Maybe it's not even Oklahoma, but I don't think anybody can argue that Oklahoma State isn't one of the best football programs in the country. And if you had a kid that had the opportunity to go there, he'd have to think long and hard about why Stillwater would work for him. But when you talk about everything going on inside these conferences or inside these schools and whether or not they want to move, the thing you have to remember is that to television networks, some conferences are going to look more attractive than others. Where I disagree with a lot of people, and maybe it's just me on this, I do not see the Big 12 being on near as stable a ground as a lot of my colleagues do, and certainly as a lot of OSU fans do. And I again, I say I don't get why OSU fans want to save the Big 12 if there's an opportunity to join the Pac-12. I mean, yes, you would rather be in a conference with Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Cal. I mean, all these schools. I mean, Stanford and Cal very could be very attractive to the Big Ten with their academics. I know this isn't solely about academics, but the Big Ten with all these AAU schools, Stanford being a pillar of you know academic greatness, Cal not far behind that. You know, a lot of presidents may find them attractive. Plus, again, you're getting San Francisco. It's one more area just to help you make money in your television negotiations. But is the Pac-12 minus USC and UCLA more attractive to a place like ESPN than the Big 12 is without OU and Texas and the addition of their new schools? Well, Dimitri Ravidosh from Barrett Sports Media, was on with us um, today on the Pat Jones Show, and here's what he had to say about all this. Man, I, I think that the Big 12 has more to offer Oregon, Washington, the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado than the Pac-12 does. I really do. Like, I, I think the most interesting thing to me in all of this is going to be what do the Northern California schools do? Because I don't think it's a secret to any of us that love this sport that, like, Cal doesn't really seem to like that they field a football team, and that's fine. Different universities have different goals, but if you're the Pac-12, you cannot move forward in a time of crisis with a member like that in your most valuable geographic area right now. So I, I tend to think that those six schools are going to make the jump over to the Big 12. The Big 12 becomes sort of that third uh, power property that probably hinges on whether or not the Big Ten or the SEC, you know, gets bright eyes for Kansas basketball at some point. But I, I tend to think that those six schools are going to make the move to the Big 12. The Big 12 suddenly becomes probably the best college basketball property in the country. They have really good college football still, too, with what Oklahoma State and Baylor and Cincinnati and Houston are putting together right now. Um, and then – Gosh, I mean, like, it, it would not surprise me if 
Oregon State and Washington State make their way to the Mountain West, and Stanford goes independent. And hell, maybe Cal goes to the big sky at this point. He makes some solid points. Not 100% agreeing with him doesn't mean that I am right. He may very well be right that the Pac-12 is in so much trouble that not just the four schools that are being courted by this conference would leave and, and scurry in Scurry East, you may have more that want to jump on that train, especially if Oregon and Washington don't find themselves in the Big Ten. And yeah, I'll keep mentioning those because I'll keep mentioning those two schools because they are the best ones to get, followed by Cal and Stanford. And if you can get those four schools with the four you currently have, you get those eight schools total, essentially what you have is a merger without the likes of Oregon State and Washington State, which nobody's going to miss. If Oregon State and Washington State ended up in the Mountain West, so be it. Uh, they're, they're kind of Pac-12 schools in name only, despite the fact that both have been through to the Rose Bowl and I think both have won conference championships in their recent history. But still, ultimately, yeah, you don't get those two schools, no one cares. And as much as the Civil War means a lot to Oregon, I think it's a lot like Bedlam. If Oregon could survive, they'd gladly give up the Civil War in order to do it. And if it meant they got the opportunity to play Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and they weren't playing an Oregon State team that they beat so often, they could give it up. And I'm, again, I, I say this coming from a weird standpoint because I'm not going to miss Bedlam. I'm not going to miss Bedlam football. I'll miss it in other sports. In football, I won't miss it. I'm anxious to see just how much OU and OSU not playing each other. And again, I know it's tradition, but I want to see how much they might improve by not playing each other, by possibly adding somebody to the schedule that they could both beat. And it would be smart for both of them. For OU, yeah, you're in the SEC. You don't want to necessarily have one more team on the schedule that's going to give you fits. And if you're Oklahoma State, hey, OU's gone. Go get somebody you can beat up. Add to that resume so when the college football playoff selection committee comes calling, you can roll out 12-1 and versus, you know, 11-2 or whatever the current or whatever the record may be. And look, there is a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about here over the next few days concerning this. Um, we haven't even... Tip, we haven't even really scratched the surface on whether or not it's going to be two league, two conferences, um, one league that, that just kind of divides up between East and West. We don't know any of that. And anyone that tells you that they do know is just giving you a best guess. Don't shoot the messenger. That That is my next message to you. Do not shoot me. I did not vote in this year's preseason All-Big 12 poll or All-Big 12 team. I did not vote for it this year. I hate voting for these things, uh, but if I did, I would have put Marvin Mims on the first team All-Big 12. Um, he did not make it. Uh, your wide receivers were Xavier, Hutchin out of Iowa, Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State, Quentin Johnson out of TCU, Xavier Worthy out of Texas. Okay, Yeah, Marvin Mims should have been in there, in my opinion. He wasn't. In fact, there is not a single OU player that is on the first team offense. Let that sink in for a second. Let's say it again. Not a single OU player made first team preseason all Big 12 
on the offensive side of the ball, the one side that Lincoln Riley cared about where you could always guarantee at least one OU player was going to be preseason All-Big 12 has zero. As far as defense goes, zero. The only person making the All-Big 12 team for Oklahoma this year was, was Michael Turk, the punter. Now, Dylan Gabriel was named you know, newcomer of the year, and, and part of that is a little bit of a residual effect from Lincoln Riley because you just assume that OU quarterbacks are going to be good regardless of who the coach is. But um, it wouldn't have been out of out – of, it wouldn't have been weird or crazy to put Quinn Ewers or Adrian Martinez as a possible newcomer of the year. We know what Dylan Gabriel could do. We just know that he can do it in the AAC. We don't know what he can do in the Big 12. We have no clue what Quinn Ewers can do, although he's got a lot of hype coming into the season. And Adrian Martinez, we know that he's a pretty good quarterback in, in the Big Ten. But if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're seeing this, I think what you can say right now, because again, o, OU fans, you know, bought a lot of, you know, there's a lot of crimson and cream glasses. Everybody, th- you know, thinks that Brent Venables is going to be a successful coach. I happen to be one of them. I think OU is going to be successful this year. I keep thinking OU is going to end up playing in the Big 12 championship. They'll end up playing Baylor. Changed my mind on that a few times, but ultimately that's where things seem seem to land. But it also tells you kind of the, the running theme for Oklahoma this entire offseason is, is we don't know how good they're going to be this year. There are so many question marks coming into this season. Whether Brent Venables can be a good head coach or not, what kind of offense Jeff Lebby or what kind of offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby is going to be, how good Dylan Gabriel is going to be, will the defense be any better? We know it will be coached better, but will it have the success that it needs to have in order to win football games? We don't know any of this. So when it comes to these polls, when you have the unknown, it makes it hard to put players on there when you're kind of scratching your head wondering just how good guys could be. From an Oklahoma State standpoint, Colin Oliver on first team, not a big shock there, made second team all Big 12 last year. And uh, Jason Taylor, um, who was third team all Big 12, also made it. Colin Oliver, best player in the Big 12. Say B. John Robinson if you want. I'm going Colin Oliver as the best player in the Big 12 this year. That guy's going to have a monster year. When it comes to what might happen with Oklahoma this year, okay, it just, they're going to be so interesting to watch because I think it will be week by week. I can see weeks of improvement followed by a a week or two of taking a step back. You may still win games. You just might not look as convincing doing it. And with Big 12 media days coming up, okay, which will next week we're going to be, in DFW, Arlington to be exact, to uh, do this podcast from Big 12 Media Days. And hopefully we'll have some audio and some guests and uh, we'll have a fun time and we'll be able to crank a couple of episodes out for you. But Brent Venables is going to get absolutely mobbed. And he should. First of all, he's the head coach of Oklahoma, but there are a lot of people very curious as to how he's going to act for this, What you know, how he's going to act for this, what he's going to say. And I am curious. I'm curious as to see um, how many of the questions are about OU moving to the Southeastern Conference and how many questions are about the guys you have now 
what had to change. You know, there, there's obvious players you're, you're going to want to talk about, but how much more physical have the practices have been? You know, what? and I'm interested to hear what the players have to say about that. Are the, are the practices more physical? Do they feel like they are a tougher football team? Do they feel like they're being overlooked? This could be the first time in a while that we, we've got an OU team that feels like they're being overlooked in conference. Most of the time, you get an OU team that knows they've got an opportunity to go out and win the conference. This year, yeah, it's a little it's a little different. And if you're looking for bulletin board material, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I guarantee there's some kids at OU looking at this, thinking that the media overlooked them, and you know what? They're just they're happy with that coming in. And I think a lot of OU fans are probably happy with that because. If you overlook them, they just kind of feel like OU plays better with a chip on their shoulder. They always have, regardless of who the coach is. Now you got it. Now you've got reason to play with a big time chip on your shoulder. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Coming up next, Baker Mayfield has a landing place. We'll tell you what had to happen in order for that to come together. So, who is the happiest man on the face of the earth? Well, that would be Baker Mayfield. Now, I'm close. I'm close. I'll be celebrating my 25th wedding anniversary. Coming up in a couple of weeks. And I would like to thank my beautiful wife, Angie, for being uh, not only loving and supportive and for not kicking me out of the house these last 25 years, but for the past 30 that we've been together. Um, thank you for being an incredible sounding board and um, just being there when I need someone. And when you're in this business, you always need someone to make you feel better. It's just the way that it is. We're all narcissistic and weird, and we all seek approval. From folks that we've never met, that's what separates us from everyone else. It's not always a good thing, but it's just how it is. Anyway, Baker Mayfield, he is the happiest man on the face of the earth because you leave one of the worst organizations in all of sports to go for new life in Carolina. And how all this came together is that Carolina agrees to pay $4.85 million of Baker Mayfield's salary Cleveland eats 10 mil, and then Baker gets the rest deferred to later payments. This is the good news. You're out of Cleveland. That's a screwed up situation. The bad news is, is you do have to compete to get the starting job against Sam Darnold. But here's the thing, okay? If you read that in ESPN, and you read the fact that they brought up that these two competed for the opportunity to be number one, when they were when they were draft picks and now they're going to compete for the starting job at Carolina there's no way Carolina made this move without thinking Baker Mayfield wasn't going to be the starting quarterback what i don't like about this proposition though is the fact that one he's got to save Matt Rule's job in order for Baker Mayfield to stay with the Carolina Panthers not only do they have to be good this year but their owner has to feel that Matt Rule can still lead this team. And you know that the, the, the prospect of Sean Payton or the specter of Sean Payton is going to be hanging over Carolina's head all season long. Plus, you've got Matt Corral, pick out, you know, quarterback out of Ole Miss, who's going to be breathing down everyone's neck. Still, Matt Rule says that you know, Matt Corral is not ready to play. And now that can mean a whole lot of different things. He's not ready to play now. Maybe he's not good enough to play in the NFL. It's a vague enough statement, though, to leave a lot of question marks surrounding this situation. Christian McCaffrey, is this guy ever going to be healthy again? I mean, just last year, 
had ankle injuries, had hamstring injuries. You And in order for Baker Mayfield to be as effective as a quarterback as he can be, you need a good running game. Your backup is Chuba Hubbard. Not bad. The guy's not great. And every Oklahoma State fan will tell you that the last year that Chuba Hubbard was with the Pokes, this dude woefully underachieved. So Baker Mayfield has his work cut out for him. And lo and behold, his first game of the year is against the Cleveland Browns. So he gets an opportunity to go stick it to his former team. And nothing for him could be sweeter. In fact, football gods, if you're listening, make it happen. Let Baker Mayfield beat Cleveland. Because even if he's not good for the rest of the year, if he sticks it to Cleveland and Cleveland never gets the opportunity to have Deshaun Watson show up and play for them this year because the dude should be suspended not only for the entire season, but really the rest of his NFL career, just to give Baker the satisfaction of sticking it to Cleveland would be the best thing to happen in the NFL this season. And you know for, for a guy that is often criticized, for a guy that often gets a lot of hate thrown at him from other NFL players for what we don't know. Oh, so he's cocky. Like every other NFL player isn't cocky. Uh, well, he ran from the cops. Okay, so it's a funny video, but does that make him bad? I mean, it was, it was public intox. You know, how many players have been through that? Certainly, you've got worse, you've got worse apples. In the NFL, I, I just I won't understand all the hate for him. He grabbed I me. Mean, he grabbed his crotch at Kansas. Hey, again, not the first guy to do it, but the guy has matured. The first time this will be the first time in his career that even those that dislike Baker Mayfield will want him to win just simply because of the Browns not only treating him wrong, but more importantly, bringing on Deshaun Watson, who allegedly could have abused sexually 66 women. There's a lot of people, myself included, that don't want to see Deshaun Watson ever play again. But to see the Browns choose that guy over Mayfield after Mayfield helped them beat the Steelers in the playoffs just a couple of years ago is not sitting well with the public at large, and they would love nothing more than to see him win that game. So hopefully Baker wins that. Um, Hopefully Baker doesn't suck the rest of the year and he can get it turned around and, may, and get Carolina competitive for the playoffs, I would think, I don't know what success in Carolina is. Is it 8-8? Eight and eight? Is it 7-9? and nine? I can't put a number on it. I, I think the vague, it's vague success. So if you're in Oklahoma, if you're listening to this, you're an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State fan, forgive me for sounding like Sam Presti, success this year for Baker Mayfield is just ensuring that Matt Rule hangs on at least another season in Carolina, and he gets the opportunity to watch that organization get built up around him. Congratulations to Rob Glass, strength coach at Oklahoma State, for becoming the highest-paid strength coach in America. Dude's going to be making seven figures, and he's well worth it. If you want to know why he's well worth it, just look at Colin Oliver. See, if you know anything about Colin Oliver, from how we came into Oklahoma State to what he looks like now, it's it, it's a universe of difference. It's not even night and day. Um, from December to spring, to from spring to fall last year, I mean, that dude went from 
looking like a kid that had the opportunity to play D1 to being a grown-ass man. Okay, I will I will say that that alone is the reason uh, Rob Glass deserves a million dollars. All right, Malcolm Rodriguez, another reason. Want to call him the best strength pro coach in the country? Yeah, I'll go there. I'll, I'll accept that argument. I, I don't know how well I can defend it against other guys. I don't know what makes one guy a great strength coach or not. I do know that Oklahoma State takes kids and develops them better than just about anybody in the country, um, considering the athletes that they get. More importantly, though, while we're sitting here praising Rob Glass, mo- more importantly or most importantly about all this is the trickle-down effect it causes for Oklahoma State. It says that Oklahoma State's committed to football, and they've needed to be more committed to football than what they've been throughout their history. So if you're going to give your strength coach a million, a million dollars with all this conference expansion going on and you're worried about where your landing spot is over these next few weeks, next few months, anybody considering taking Oklahoma State can justify it, not just because of the success that they've had in their football program, but because – They are willing to make the commitment financially, not just to their facilities, but to their coaches. Long overdue, and now every time when you hear about an Oklahoma State coach getting a raise, it will be significant from where it would have been under the former administration with Mike Holder and with Boone Pickens being the one writing checks. Now, this is a good thing. If you're an Oklahoma State fan and football is your jam, the, the the Holy Trinity has finally arrived at Oklahoma State with Shrum, Weiberg, and Gundy, and it couldn't be any better. So Oklahoma State fans, get ready for a long run of success over these next few years. Now that you're already, you're not having it, but it's only going to get better, regardless of the conference you might be playing in. That wraps up this week's show. Uh, we'll be back for a couple next week. Uh, We'll be down in Arlington for Big 12 Media Days. We're going to try and wrangle some guests. We'll definitely have some audio throughout the day uh, discussing not just the topics concerning Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but the Big 12 as a whole. So should be some fun shows. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.